you have a Bible, get it out. If you have a Bible app, fire that up. And find with me, if you would, uh, two places. Psalm 115. It's right in the middle of your Bible. Psalms is about there. Psalm 115. And then another place is Acts chapter 2. Psalm 115. In, in seeking the Lord and praying about this service and about our, our year, about what's coming, about what He wants to say to us, not only today but ongoing, two words come up in my heart that I want to begin to speak about. They are the words increase and multiplication. Increase and multiplication. Uh, praise God. Let's go ahead and read this verse. Psalm 115, verse 14. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. May He give you what? Increase. Not decrease. Not less and less. But may He give you more and more. Not all at once, but more and more. Increase you and your children. God is a God of increase and wants to give us more. We find frequently that when someone gives well wishes to someone else, that words of increase or words of betterment or words of prosperity or words of something more are included in those type of greetings. Uh, I was noticing that Peter wrote in his first letter, second, or second letter, second Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, he said, grace and peace be multiplied to you. And so we wish one another well and we say grace and peace, but notice that word, be multiplied to you. God is an abundant God, never runs short, never runs out, never has lack, and He is seeking continually to pour out His grace and favor upon the very primary objects of His love, and that happens to be us. He loves us and wants to increase our lives. How can we increase, or in what areas? Well, we could increase in power, we could increase in influence. We can increase in love. We certainly can, in, can increase in, in fruit and finances and salvations and healings and Holy Spirit baptisms and knowledge and wisdom. There's lots of room in our lives for more. And thank God He is a more kind of God. And, uh, and so we can trust Him in this. And... And so in considering these issues, um, what's being highlighted to me as I look at the, the Word are conditions that promote multiplication and increase. What conditions need to exist in my life personally? What conditions need to exist in, in our church corporately so that we are not in the way we are not a hindrance to, but we are in agreement with and cooperating with the desire of God to bring increase, multiplication, to bring more of what He has in store. 
And if I can identify certain conditions that, I don't know, bring it on or invite or give way to God's design, uh, then I want to give attention to making sure that's in place and remove anything that would be a block, that would be a hindrance to him doing what he wants to do. Everybody good so far? All right, so let's get into this. And I want you to start by turning with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts, the second chapter. Uh, Some of you know this passage as uh, the beginning part of the the early church. It's what the book of Acts is about. It's about the the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of God's Spirit. Um, And I want us to notice something that's, I've read these verses, you know, probably thousands of times, but I'm more excited about them now than I have been (laughs) for a long time. And, uh, and just seeing these, uh, these simple but powerful principles. Uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. Acts 2 verse 1. It, it reads, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came... And I just want to stop right there for now. I know it's right in the middle of a sentence, but I want to be able to make the the points that are uh, in line with the the, the primary reason for speaking here today. Uh, Suddenly there came. I I like that part. I like when things come to me from heaven. I like when I'm cruising along, living for the Lord, and He shows up. And I've experienced different things in my life, as, as you have as well where God shows up and things happen, and it's just an amazing experience, an amazing blessing from heaven. But uh, then I look, and I, I want, always want to analyze why did this happen, why didn't this happen? Why did it happen here and not here? Why did it happen at this time and not this time? And so I look at those who have experiences that, you know, are the type of experiences I want to have, uh, the type of experiences we should have as a church corporately. And so I, I see some, some components here, and I noticed that these people, th- this 120 here, first of all, they came together. God likes it when people get together. There's something special, there's something godly about gathering, okay? But not only did they get together, not only did they gather, but they gathered in the same place. I guess they wouldn't be together if they weren't in the same place. <laughs> but they were in the same place. They were together. But they were in the same place at the same time. That, that, that's critical. They had to rub shoulders. They were, they were there together. And the Scripture says they were all with one accord. This is the condition of this group that received an outpouring from God. Same place, same time. In one accord. There is something very powerful about a group of people going the same direction. Uh, Have you ever been in a canoe? (laughs) I like to get a response just from little simple things. (laughs) Canoe! That's great! And had one person rowing one way and another person rowing the other way. Did you know I was going there? (laughs) 
One person's rowing forward, the other person's rowing backward. How many know that can be tiring and frustrating? And dizzying. Because you're not going to make any progress. You're going to have a lot of activity. How many think we should, we should uh, avoid having a lot of activity without a lot of progress? Personally, corporately, I don't just, just want to be busy. I'm not just seeking activity in my life. I don't just want an active church. I want a church that's doing things, activity that produces results. Where we go somewhere. Where we look back and say, hey, we used to be there, but now we're here. Well, how are we going to get that? Well, what's necessary, we be in the same boat at the same time, rowing in the same direction. Yeah? And this is uh, what the condition was here with this group. What happens if we don't get together? Because they got together. What happens if we don't get together? Here's what happens. Not much. It just doesn't. What happens if we get together once in a while? Very little happens. Uh, there's a scripture over in Hebrews, common Scripture, I've used it a lot, others have. In, in chapter 10 and verse 25, that addresses this subject of getting together. And it reads this way, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner or habit of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Think about those words for a moment in connection to the way our society is going, or at least in our country. The Scripture says, inspired by the Lord, the writer said, the closer you get to the end, the closer you get to the day or the coming of the Lord, you need to get together more frequently. Get together a lot and encourage, exhort one another. Yeah? So, closer you get, get together what? More. What's the current trend in our country with believers? The current trend is that believers get together less. Less. In other words, what's happening, this is, this is of concern, is we are, not we or you in particular, but as a whole, the body of Christ in our country, we're doing exactly opposite of what we're told. And what do we expect generally? Well, we expect our lives to be better. We expect ourselves to be strong and, you know, and, and everything to work well. Yet, he said, the closer you get, gather more, assemble more, and yet the closer we get, we're assembling less. This is a problem. It really is. Because the will of God is being hindered. The design of God that every believer would be encouraged constantly, would be strengthened continually, would be empowered by the, 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 the results of the gathering are happening less frequently. Therefore, the body of Christ is weaker than it's supposed to be. And there are great desires of God in our day, in this time, and specifically for our church, for this house, that there would be great moves and manifestations of His presence. That many people would be touched, and many people would be swept in by the power of God into His kingdom, and be set free, and, and delivered. And It's just a wonderful thing what God desires. 
However, there needs to be an environment that allows him to do it. Everybody okay? So if people do the opposite of the verse, will it result in more power or less? Being more encouraged or less? Part of the reason that we gather is for the purpose or the sake of unity. What do I mean by that? Someone said, well, we can be unified when we're not together. It's difficult because unity requires that we all think the same. We all, we cannot think the same unless we hear the same words. This is not really some amazing spiritual principle here. If anyone has a job with more than one person, you probably have meetings, right? If you've ever played on a a sports team, you have meetings, you huddle up, right? Why? Because everyone has to think the same in order to act the same and produce results, in other words, forward progress. But if there is not a sufficient, effective gathering where words can be spoken to direct our thoughts and therefore our activities into forward progress or a certain behavior, we're all going to go a different direction. We'll be spinning around in a circle in, in the middle of the lake, right? Everybody okay? If we, uh, if we don't do the same things, we're going to be very limited. Remember the Old, Old Testament Scripture that said, at one will put a thousand to flight, and two will put ten thousand to flight. There is a great multiplication of fruit, of results, of effectiveness when people get together in the same place at the same time for the same reason. And, uh, you know, so these guys on, on Pentecost, they got together. Their motive wasn't selfish. Why did they get together? They're basically all acting in obedience to a word of Jesus. Jesus told them, Wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Wait for this promise of my Father. So they were all acting on direction from heaven individually. That's the reason they were there. Side note, the goal of God for us, which should be our goal, is not that we would all be unified with one another, is that we would all be unified with Him. If you're unified with Him and I'm unified with Him, we have no problems amongst ourselves. But when we're we're getting into things, is this person right or is this person right, that's when we we have a difficult time coming together. Let's unite with His purpose. They They were there together based on His words, based on His instructions. And what came next was powerful. What came next was amazing. So the, the contrast to this is people can sometimes do things without a direction from God. Their coming together is not motivated by Him, by a right desire. In fact, over in the, in the Old Testament, over in Genesis 11, we read about these, uh, these guys that decided to build a tower. Ever heard of that? The Tower of Babel? You know what's, why it's called Babel? Because if you babble, you're not speaking clearly. <laughs> babble. In other words, that's where God had to mess up their languages. Because 
they were out of His will. They were doing the wrong thing, but they were unified in their opposition to God's plan. So He gave them different languages. I'm kind of annoyed with that. I don't know about you. I would sure like to be able to travel all around the world and speak without interpreters. But no. <laughs> Remember one time I was in another country uh, preaching, and you know, preaching with a translator. And uh, so I preach, you know, they preach, I preach, they preach. I thought we were doing real good. It was in a big church. And, uh, and I'm preaching away this great message. And in this particular crowd, they tell me about half the people there did speak English. And the other half knew only Spanish in this case. And uh, so I'm preaching, preaching, preaching away, thinking doing, I'm doing real good. And uh, at the end, you know, people who spoke English were t- telling me good things. <laughs> they received. And I was talking to the missionary there. And, they, and just asking him, so how'd that go and everything? He said, good, except he wasn't saying the same things you were saying. <laughs> and uh, and he, it wasn't really intentional. He, uh, what I understand, it was because of the mic and the sound system in there. I would turn away, and, and he wouldn't be able to hear me very well. And so he just kind of went with it. <laughs> and he was, so we had two messages that day. <laughs> Nevertheless... Uh, sure be nice if we could all hear the same words. Um, but in Genesis chapter 11, let me just read this to you about that tower. It says in verse 5, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. It's a powerful statement from the Lord that said, these people here, they can do anything they want because of their unity, because they're all going the same direction, the same time, same motive. They're trying to build this tower. I don't want them to do it, but they're going to get it done. In fact, they're going to do anything they want because they're together. You can see that happens today outside of necessarily righteous motives and ways. Uh, You know, people are more commonly protesting and doing those types of things in our countries be kind of on the rise, rioting. People don't like stuff, so they burn cars and break windows and, and, and do all kinds. Of, how many know those groups have some degree of power? You know, it's that riot mentality where there's not, they're not thinking individually. They're just in this, this riot scenario, but they're going the same direction in the same place at the same time, and it carries influence, right? And, and, and so this principle is, is true but think about it for us now, if we will do things in, that are of God, His will, His ways, His plan, I'm telling you, He likes to work with groups. We all have a personal, individual relationship with God, no doubt, but He wants to work with groups. Many times it'll start with one, but then His design is that it would spread. It would multiply and bless many people. In Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, they were all united around the purpose of God. It wasn't they're each there with their own opinion as to what what should happen next. You know, hey, let's get donuts. Hey, let's do this. Hey, I think we ought to sing this song. I think we ought to sing this song. You know, it wasn't just a uh, collaboration. What's that word? conglomeration of, of, of ideas and thoughts and everyone fighting, bringing their own opinion. They were all here to say, let's do what Jesus said to do. So get in here and sit down and wait for this power 
to come from on high. And they were united. This was what the, the word of the Lord was. They were in one accord. Okay, so if that's the will of God and that produced good results, what would be the contrast? What would be the opposite? How would the enemy work against our lives? How would he work against our church to hinder or to stop a mighty moving force of God's power in our midst? Well, the idea is it would be discord. One, of course, if he can keep people even from gathering, okay, no power there. But then if we get together, if we get together in the same place at the same time and we're in discord, well, that's a hindrance to the move of God. All right, and so let's, let's consider these thoughts for a moment. If you would, look at Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs the 6th chapter. One accord, God's plan. Discord, Satan's plan. And, and, and look at some of the descriptions here. Uh, Proverbs chapter 6, beginning in 12, of something we don't want to be like in life. 6 verse, verse 12. It reads, a worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes, he shuffles with his feet, he points with his fingers. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. He sows discord. This is the, uh, the part I want to focus on. God's plan, one accord. Satan's plan, discord. Who's, who sows discord? A worthless, wicked man. That's the kind of person that, that would do that. Verse 15, therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly, he shall be broken without remedy. So there's no gradual, no gradual downslide, you know, downturn, just getting worse. No, he's going along thinking everything's fine, sowing his discord, giving his, his uh, perverse words, his nonverbals, he's planting seeds of discord. What's going to happen to this guy? Suddenly, calamity comes upon him. He thinks, oh, everything's fine. I've been saying this, doing this, acting this way. No problems. Everything's still good. No, no watch. Suddenly, things change. Suddenly, he'll be broken, and there's no fix for that. And so, that's the way that person's calamity comes. If we jump down to the next part, then, God shares with us, well, you know, the Spirit of God inspired us to tell us seven things that God hates, all right? Now, sometimes you hear about things that I hate, and, you know, cream of mushroom soup, uh, <laughs> things like that that we should avoid, as believers. Uh, but obviously, you, you know the severity of that kind of statement is not comparable to something like this. Right? You might survive. You're, yeah. You might be able to eat that and still be a Christian, maybe. Uh, but these kind of things, when you, hear, when you hear that the Lord doesn't like something, we should perk up. We should say, okay, uh, no, no laughing matter here. He says, I hate something. Wow, I need to hate it too. Yeah. Uh, and so verse 17, he, he lists these seven areas. He said, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, 
a false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among brethren. It's interesting to me that this is in the list of things that God says He hates. Some of them you can say, oh yeah, bad, bad, double bad, I, can, I agree with that. But look what's in the list. If a person is sowing discord, God hates it. We should hate it too. We should hate it too. But notice how discord comes. It is sown. What's that, what's that language? Planted. It's a seed. In other words, it gets snuck in there through a wink, through a point, through a word. Little seeds are dropped in that are intended to divide. But they don't divide right away. They get in the heart and people start thinking. You start thinking of another person in a negative light. You start viewing someone in your life or something and you start viewing them differently. You're a little bit turned off. You're a little bit annoyed. A little bit, there's, there's a seed of divisiveness, of division that's been sown in your heart. If we don't catch that early, it's going to be a problem. And it's going to stop the move of God from our lives and maybe from our church. We deal with it. When we hear words that are, it's like, man, that's a divisive word. That's discord sown. What, you know, and we don't confront it. We don't deal with it in a severe way. It starts to grow. So on one side, all of us, we should be watchful for our own hearts, our own lives. I'm not going to allow that stuff to get in me. I'm not going to listen to it. If I hear it, I'm, I'm getting away from that. I'm not going to entertain those thoughts. I'm not going to play that, that, that conversation over again and again and again and again. And I absolutely must not be in the position where that seed is then repeated. Where that discord is coming out of my mouth. Because the Lord who loves me hates that. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And so often when discord comes into full manifestation, it's hard to track it to the one who sowed the seed. Because it's later. It's down the road a little bit. Amen. A house divided cannot stand. You remember Jesus taught that. Any person then that's being involved in sowing discord among brethren is being used by the devil. Discord is, is strife. It's lack of harmony. It's disagreement. Do you ever disagree with people? <laughs> I do. I disagree with people sometimes. I, disagree. I think there's some things we all should disagree with. Not just going to, you know, buy and believe everything. You know, be gullible. You know, like you ever heard that they took the word gullible out of the dictionary? <laughs> and that when, we weren't, when you weren't looking, we wrote it on the bottom of your shoe? <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> No, we don't, we're not accepting of everything. Here, here's, my, here's my point. Here's my question. Uh, if we disagree with someone or something or some course of action, the question is, should we say it? Should we just say, I don't agree with that inside and move on? Or should there be communication about that disagreement? And in the right place at the right time, I'm not saying that's an all one way or the other, sometimes there can be conversation amongst people who disagree and talk about things they disagree about, right? 
But a lot of times, when, when individuals hear anything they don't like, anything they, they disagree with, they are quick to repeat that and let others know, I don't agree with that. And I think it would be wisdom if we would back up and say, what's going to be the end result of me expressing my disagreement here? Is it going to help? Is it going to hurt? Is this just a fleshly thing in me where I want someone to know, bless God, I don't like that? Is it just some carnal part of, of, of my unrenewed mind that wants someone else to know that I don't like it, I, don't dis- I, I disagree? And could it then be used as a seed of discord? Then it becomes serious. Then it becomes something where we say, hey, am I just being a child where I pop out of my mouth everything that comes in to my mind? Or am I making measured responses and considering the outcome of my words and the effect they might have on someone else or even as a whole? Could I be potentially limiting heaven opening up and pouring out in, in, in this house if I don't guard my mouth? Over in, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16, it reads... Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. This is interesting language and strong language, especially in the New Testament since Jesus has come. You read language that said God will destroy him. That's really not the way that my Father works. But what do you do? I mean, you have your family and you want to protect your family, you want to protect your house, what do you do when someone comes in and they want to destroy it? I don't know. What do you do if someone comes uh, breaking in your house in the middle of the night? Maybe with an ill intentions, maybe with a desire to, to harm someone in your, in your family. What would you do? How many, no, I don't know, if, is this a trick question? Uh, pastor, I'd pray for him. I'd swing first and then pray for them. I mean, something's going to hit their forehead. Bat. uh, (laughs) Flying lead. I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm just saying. We have a, there's something in us that says protect, not only ourselves, but those we love. And God wants to protect those he loves. And this is, when things are allowed to go on without, um, without being stopped, it can sometimes be like the little leaven that leavens the whole lump. It can be that seed that someday will grow into something very dangerous, and all of a sudden there's no move of God. You Listen, you've got so-called churches all across the world, and there's no power. There's no life. People aren't being saved. People aren't being healed. People aren't having their lives changed. They're just going through religious motions. They toe the line and do their, go through their rituals. I am so not interested in that. It's like this is either alive and real and we can see it and prove it and have testimonies that back it up consistently, or it's not real. But I want to have the fullness of what God has designed for us. I, I know years ago, uh, I knew a guy, and he was basically full of spiritual pride, thought he knew more than everyone else, 
and, and was using his mouth in a divisive way. It wasn't here, it wasn't in our church, it was in another place, and, but he was speaking against the pastor and uh, basically just undermining and questioning his, everything, you know, a lot of what he would say and do. And it was evil in intent. And, and it was demonically motivated, whatever. But he was giving place to this, and it was having an effect on hurting people. Anyway, this guy one day, uh, he's up on his roof doing something, I don't remember, probably making some kind of repair, doing something on his roof, and he falls uh, off the roof, lands on the ground, and breaks his ankle. And so he goes to the hospital and dies. Just like that. And everyone who knew him, and it was like, wow, that was quick. That was sudden. That wasn't, and suddenly a sound rushing, a sound came from heaven. <laughs> this was suddenly some other stuff. And it wasn't good. And I know people wonder about that. And if you ask, ask me, you say, did, did, did God push him off the roof? Uh, I don't believe God pushed him off the roof, but when someone's in that situation, they, we need God's grace to even survive. We need God's grace to live and avoid problems, and it sure looks to me like uh, it's judgment that removes the grace for him to live. Why? He was destroying the body. He was, he was coming against the church. He was bringing division, and division is a real big thing with God. It is a really serious business. There will be zero of it in heaven. And if He is to have His way in full manifestation while we're here on the earth, there must be zero of that in our hearts. Discord among brethren can't be permitted. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? Not permitted. That means we each individually say, absolutely not. I'm not going down that road. I'm not going to think that. I resist those thoughts. I resist these actions. Yeah? I'm not saying this in any way because I know sometimes people think that I come up here uh, carnally motivated. Pastor, did someone say something to you that you didn't like? <laughs> so you're threatening, threatening with broken ankles and... Uh, no, <laughs> and no, and no person is going to direct our subject matter either. So no, I'm not aware of anything. Uh, if you've been divisive, if you've been sowing discord, uh, the secret might be good for now. In other words, no. It, when if you are, I'm just saying if, if that's going on, I'd encourage you to repent like quick. Get it right, or go away, far away, China. <laughs> no, but on a, seriously, because it's a real issue, it'll hinder your own life, but nothing's going to stop this mighty moving force. God is doing amazing things here, and we've got to take it seriously, and things can be, people can get things right, and, and problems can be, can be averted, and when we get our hearts right, and we're going the right way, the right time, the same place, Oh, great power is revealed and manifest. 
And I'm telling you, that's what the Lord is doing, and He wants to do more and more in this house, great demonstrations of His might and power. You and I will see miracles, signs, and wonders. We've seen them before. We'll see them again, and they'll increase and multiply, increase and multiply, increase and multiply. And you'll say, this is amazing that we're a part of this. In this day, in this hour, that we could be a part of something that God was doing that grabs the attention of the world around us. Many people will be drawn in. Many people will be swept into the kingdom of God because there was a group of people who focused their attention and their focus was on the purposes of God and they came together in unity and God's power was demonstrated. And it will be noted in eternity that we were a part of, it, of something amazing that came from God. Hallelujah. Paul told the Corinthians, he said uh, in, in, in the third chapter, let me show you one more verse before we, we, we finish. Go to, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3, he, he, he said, For you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal, behaving like mere men? How many th- recognize that often the source of divisiveness and strife think they are the most spiritual people around? They think they have a superior revelation to everyone else, and so they're quick to undermine, they're quick to disagree, quick to, and they're the most carnal people in the bunch, the most fleshly, the most immature. That's how he described the babies. Division. Some of the folks I've known in my life that have been, had a real high spiritual air about them. And then they'd go home and everyone would fight constantly. Okay, I said that out loud. <laughs> Saying that's not a mark of maturity, that's a mark of carnality. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, notice that language. Now I want to give you guys an idea. Here's a suggestion, you might want to try this out. And he said, no, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all... Look, speak the same thing. He said, I'm begging you guys. Talk to the church at Corinth. This would be uh, perfect for us as well. Listen, I'm pleading with you guys. We have to say the same thing. We must, well, I don't want, shut your (laughs) We have to say the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you. He said, I'm pleading with you guys. Say, well, I can't help it. They sound like three-year-olds. He said, I'm pleading with you guys. No division. You must speak the same thing. But that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. Look at that. The mind is what we believe. Judgment is the display. It's, it's, the, it's how we're going to act. So we not only need to think the same, we need to act the same. I'm not implying here that there's the possibility that all of us are going to come to a place of perfect agreement on all things. I don't think that's real, and I don't think it's necessary. But what we do come... What we do do is come together, 
same place, same time, because we're there for the same reason. We're focusing on the purposes of God's kingdom. Periphery things don't really matter so much. The main thing we're all united on. And we refuse to say anything different about actions going forward. Now watch. We do the same stuff. Scripture didn't say in the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven the sound as of a rushing mighty wind, cloven tongues of fire sat on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And some of them sat back and said, wow, this is interesting. I don't, I don't think I believe in this. <laughs> no, the Scripture said they all spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But the, what keeps me in there is they all did it. In other words, they all did the same thing. Not half of them did one thing and half of them did something else. When they got together to sit, they all sat. Because that's what Jesus told them, go sit in Jerusalem. Tarry or wait means to sit. When they got together, let's say it this way. When it was time to sing, they all sang. When it was time to pray, they all prayed. When it was time to act, they all act. There was a, a unity of motion. We are going to get this football into that end zone. And we are all going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. You're going to block. You're going to run a screen. You're going to catch the ball. Whatever, you know, everybody's going to do their part. Because we have got to get this ball in that end zone. And there, are some, there is some scoring that needs to take place in the church. We need to move the ball. We've all got to work together as a team. We've got to say we're going to huddle up. That's what we're doing. That's what we do when we get together like this. This is our big huddle. We huddle up and we speak the word of the Lord. Tell you what thus says the Lord. And then we go do it. And that is one of the key components to the environment that God moves in. Where He is not hindered. He is not limited. He can do what He wants to do. Amen. Amen. Praise God. What's at stake? There's so much more for me to say. What's at stake here? What happens when God's Spirit moves? People are saved. They are delivered. They are set free. They are healed. Prayers are answered. Great things happen. What's at stake? Eternity for some. Marriage for some. Other, other needs and other, all these things are at stake if the church doesn't say, this is very important that we get together and we get together a lot and we do it in the same place at the same time with one accord, then God moves. The absence of a move of God in life is not pleasant. Oh, yuck. He is the life-giving spirit.